Hello, everybody, and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 32 of the Cane and Ritz podcast. February 2011, and Polish developer People Can Fly, in association with Epic, released, via publisher EA, their ultra-violent first-person shooter with a twist bullet storm, to a largely positive reception and arguably even better word of mouth. Joining me, Leon Cox, this week, Tony Atkins. Hello. And Darren Foreman. Evening, everyone. And Carl Moon. Monshto. Exactly. Right, Painkiller. Did any one of us play People Can Fly's most notable previous game, Painkiller? Yes, a lot. A lot, okay. Uh, I know it's often talked fondly of on Giant Bomb as being one of those uh, sort of PC kind of pretty much uh, balls out kind of first-person shooter, unapologetically violent, da-da-da. Carl, your memories of Painkiller then? It was... Without a doubt, the best arena game since Quake 3 Arena. That's why I was quite fond of it. And at the time, I was very... In multiplayer? In multiplayer or, or si- single player, it felt very much okay. arena-based combat. It was, you move in arena to arena, uh, mm-hmm. minus the boss battles, obviously. Um, and I was very much into sort of the eSports thing that was going at the time, uh, before it was cool with the StarCraft II lark. And uh, there was... The usual flowing of players, uh, obviously the one that everyone knows is Fatality. He got a massive sponsorship deal for Painkiller, and I remember watching tournament after tournament, and I was always interested in the game anyway, but that just sort of gave a whole sort of almost cult following between myself and my friends, and we would we would play regularly on the nights, and it was really refreshing, and it was such a stunning-looking game. There was such clarity to the textures, and it had... The, obviously, the thing that most people will remember about it would be the the spike gun or the you know the stake air rifle, and it would fire through an enemy, a lot like the Pummer from Bulletstorm, and it would slam him into the walls. And it was at the time when sort of physics were coming to the fore in the games, and the bodies mm. would dangle, and you would always I remember we'd play with friends where we'd try and pin as many people as close yeah. as possible together. And it was very violent, but it was so. Slick and fluid and fast, um, and these are definitely the things that you know you you start to see where their inspirations for Bulletstorm came from. So they were a great studio in my mind already leading into this. So they were only around for a couple of years. That was their first sort of big game, and then pretty much there was a huge gap between Painkiller and Bulletstorm, um, according to their CV. There were multiple uh, Painkillers, however. Okay. No, just expansion packs and the rest of it. I mean, the first right. one I actually played was one of the follow-ups where you played as Samael. Uh, so, yeah, fond memories of Painkiller. We're not actually covering that game on the show, but um, you chaps who have played it, was it a good indicator as to what they might be doing in you know in a few years' time on the consoles of the day? Is it, does it feel like Bulletstorm in any way, or does it feel like a progenitor? I think if you came into it... Having played both, but completely unaware that the development studio had made them both, it would cross your mind that this is very like Painkiller. Or oh, there's definitely inspiration taken from it. All right, and this doesn't have a this doesn't have the leash though, which is probably the sort of biggest um, innovation, I suppose, in in uh, in Bulletstorm. No, absolutely not. It was, it's more the fluidity of motion and the the, the speed in which things happen. Okay.
So, Bulletstorm, I actually played your copy, Carl, uh, which you lent to me after last summer. I think I played it in, towards the end of the summer, early autumn, maybe. Um, and you, you've only, right, you've only just recently played it through for the first time, later than one of those where you've lent it out and then you've ended up playing it more recently. Yeah, I actually bought it the day it came out, but it came out the same day yeah. as Killzone 3. And I ended up playing a lot oh. of Killzone 3, <laughs> a lot more so than I yeah. played it, so... I think the reason I bought, um, I, I didn't buy it at the time, because I was looking forward to it, was um, was probably Killzone 3. I think I had limited funds at that point, and because I knew me and Jay Taylor and uh, other people. And you just bought Marvel vs. Capcom 3 the week before as well. Oh, good yeah, good memory, yeah. Um, no, no wonder I was skint. Um, but yeah, but the the concept of Bulletstorm appealed. Um, Tony, you've only just recently played it as well, is yeah, that right? this week. Okay, so it's fresh in your mind. So let's start with Darren, who rushed out and paid more than it costs now to buy it early doors. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's fair to say. Can't say I particularly regret it, however, because... Uh, cool. It was... The thing is, I mean, when this first came out, I mean, there was a demo that preceded it, and I played the there demo. Was. So did I, yeah. The demo was really not an indicator of the full game, because I played the demo and I thought, this is shite. It's pointless, <laughs> it's short. I don't understand what it's trying to to show me, but uh, I'm, whatever it is, I'm not seeing it. And then, good word of mouth came out, like the reviews were fairly good, and uh, some people mm-hmm. that I trust were really quite enjoying it. So I bought it pretty much upon release, and thoroughly enjoyed it myself. The campaign, then, um, we'll start with that. It's space marines turned space mercs in the 26th, 26th century? No, 27th century? Space pirates, but yeah. Space pirates? Well, they start off as soldiers, and then they turn in... Yeah, well, whatever. Well, they go around um, confederate ships in space. On a mission, and, and, and the, the game is, uh, is, is a mission of revenge. Yeah, that's not as fine. So you want us to lay out the story? Well, if, yeah, I mean, anyone... Pick up that yeah. ball and run with it, man. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> well, that's easy enough. Um, so, I can't even remember. This is terrible. See, I can't even remember the main uh, protagonist's name. Grayson Hunt. There we go. Um, I mean, you start off the game... Actually, the game starts off um, fairly mundane. Uh, you start off this crew... Uh, well, I say mundane, you end up going down the side of a skyscraper, which looks uh, flipping gorgeous. But um, you go in there, you you shoot uh, a person, which you quickly realise uh, is actually... That's after the prologue chapter, actually. Okay. Well, I mean, this that is, story is the prologue chapter. Hang on, you start on a ship interrogating a man with a another dude. Head. You do, and yeah. then it'll say uh, years or five years earlier. Yeah, but th- that whole section's not it, not that short. It's quite yeah, long. It's, There's it an on-rails the cannon section... Though. All right, okay. And the skyscraper bits towards the end of it, though, because you've you've had at least yes. yeah chapter at least a while of learning the kick control, which is obviously one of the most frequently used. Yeah, act, act ones when and... you come off the ship and Ishi start to be transformed and you pick up the leash. Mm. Oh yeah, okay. Sorry, Tony, continue. I was, I was just trying to think where the the interesting part of the story starts to kick in, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's probably where it was. You might want to start off with saying right. that yeah. um, you're being dispatched to go and kill. Basically, terrorists and bad people, and it turns out that they're not bad people. Yes, yes. Just as a lead-in, 
your your boss is is uh, is playing is playing you as as this group of mercs. Yeah, that's right. And that's that's when that's where the revenge comes in because yeah. the group feel they've been uh, they've been misused. I and, wonder and, why doing bad things, and they want to make it right by killing the man who made made them do the bad things, mm. which is obviously how you make and things right. Obviously, as we're a spoiler show, you meet one of the later characters in that scene as well, the the little girl. Who, does she witness her father being killed, but she knows her father's being killed as she runs away, and you go, no, stop! But uh, she gets away from you, but now she, I mean, she comes back later in the game as... Another name I've completely forgotten. Triska. 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 Triska, that's it, yes. She comes back as Triska. Um, Jennifer Hale, naturally. Yes. Um, who is after a revenge, revenge of the person that killed her father, who she thinks, believes is, obviously... Well, she doesn't know, but then she realises it's you, but also the colonel. So that's more interwoven plot threads. General, Sh- General Serrano who's, yes. is the, the main antagonist here. Yeah. And that's how we kick off, really. Okay, and then uh... after that bit, um, crash, basically what happens there is that the, it all goes to hell, and you decide that in order to get revenge on Serrano, you are going to pilot your ship straight into the Ulysses mm. and bring them both down onto the planet. That's right, and you end up with a, a very one of your crewmates. Ishi is extremely badly wounded, and you have to uh, go and get a some kind of power charge. power battery thing to uh to give the ship's doctor the uh wherewithal to um c- cybernetically save him um and that goes a bit wrong and the doctor dies halfway through the operation and she's left in, in in a bit of a state and in enormous pain um and fluctuating between nice blue-eyed ishi and nasty red-eyed ishi <laughs> <laughs> Good and bad, yes. Um, I mean, to preface all that as well, uh, through your revenge of trying to get back to the the colonel, I'm just going to keep calling the colonel because it's far easier. Um, <laughs> the general, the general, the general. There you go. Uh, <laughs> just oh, a God. different rank. It's a great story, you know. Um, yeah, the, through through trying to get revenge on the general, um, many of your crew members have been part of your the Echo team. Is it the Echo team? Um, Dead Echo. Dead yeah, Echo. Yeah, Dead Echo have um, have died along the way just for your uh, your revenge. So Ishii has this you know uh, robot mechanism in part of it implanted into his brain, which is working on the bad side of how you know you've killed most of the Dead Echo team through just your your pity revenge, and it's cost the lives of many others. Uh, then you know apart the the normal issue, which is that's because this general deserves it uh, and that's kind of the, the fighting battle in his mind throughout the entirety of the game and curiously both issues think that you're a dick regardless true yeah but you saved his life so he owes you one yeah you've also killed most of his friends and kind of got yourself into a really nasty situation like any good space marine would yeah <laughs> and he got a voice military man you know you got to do what you've got to do so you end up on a slightly hostile planet which appears to be mostly inhabited by uh, mutant goons. It's not long after landing on the planet you realise it's a bit of a hostile environment populated by enemies such as creeps and skulls and later in the game burnouts which are mutated Yeah, so it, it's basically yeah, it's basically like human shaped form people uh, with a very angry ability to want to stab you with their knives 
Um, equal things with different weapons and guns. Uh, so it feels a bit like the human civilization, but slightly freaked out with uh, mutagents. And then eventually you meet uh, some mutants themselves, which are clearly, you know, have been down in the depths a bit too long with boils on the side that need popping to blow themselves up. So oh, yeah. Yeah. multiple different uh, gameplay scenarios in the normal, but that, you know, that's, it's not about the shooting, really. Yeah, I mean, th- this is uh, all the stuff that um, is there to create the framework to allow you to have this game, which is really as much as anything about uh, this particular form of first-person combat. So after about 20 to 25 minutes, you finally get hold of the leash, which is the thing other than kick you'll probably be using the most throughout the game. Well, other than your guns, I suppose you could say. Uh, And then another five minutes later, you uh, unlock with the leash uh, the ability to... Um, yeah, the the idea is that it's um, it's judging you and marking your your combat. Um, some weird twisted person's idea that uh, it would like give you extra points for impaling people on geographical spikes and stuff like that. The, the agents on the field that had these leashes that um, they were trying to whittle down the the best agents. So if they could mark them by how well they were killing people, or how you know how quickly they were killing people, or, you know, how imaginative they were killing people, um, that they would get more points. Thus, there would be higher ranked agents on the fields, and the ones which weren't doing it very well, they could get rid of as a team. So it would be the best, strongest team by combining. Yeah, it was abilities. more than just that. I mean, if they were underperforming, they didn't get armory supplies. Yep. They also didn't get um, new weapons. See, that's a, it should be the other way around. If you're performing badly, you should be given better <laughs> weapons. That's not um, a video game technique, come on. No, sure. Uh, but yeah, this was the bit that, uh, that certainly when I was watching the preview videos, this was the thing I was interested in. This is why I thought this, this would be a game for me, because it seemed very much like all the, all the surrounding bump was just a setup for a very... Uh, potentially very sort of um, flexible and fluid combat and scoring system where it was kind of pretty much like sticking an old arcade game like Smash TV or something into three dimensions, making it first person and allowing all mayhem to break loose. Um, And I think a lot of people found that that's exactly what it did for them. It's it's weird because I think we've struggled to to describe what this game is from the very start. Um, And I think the game does an equally poor job um, from the (laughs) get-go. Because clearly, I mean, it wants to get the player to what the the fundamental basics of this game, which is which is having fun with these uh, multiples of weapons and and abilities and techniques. Yet it tries to set up this. At the time, it feels like a, a serious, ish story. Um, it doesn't seem quite so poo faced. Then it, you know, it's, it's trying to tell a story. <laughs> poo faced is right. The um, um, the but, tone uh, is all over the place, though. The, the, one minute it will be hilarious gags and witticisms if you if you want to call it that um and then and then it will sort of plunge into more serious territory and then it will come sort of straight back out again and it, i never got the feeling it knew at any point whether it wanted to be hilarious or dark or both or somewhere in between um and i think that sort of went throughout the game it's one of the things that i struggled with i think that's definitely the case it was one of its weakest factors and something that it was heavily criticized for at the time uh, they were quite aware that they had the mechanics right, but they weren't sure how the setup was going to work. And I'd have read articles later on that have stated that such things, such as the language, uh, where they tried to be creative with imaginative new words, which weren't really that imaginative, nor actually clever or funny. 
Um, a lot of people, a lot of people really love that stuff. A lot of them they? were genuinely funny. The thing is, if you look at it as though it's trying to be completely serious, if you're trying to think of it as though they were trying to be serious with all these words, it would fail completely. But they seem to know just that it was so overdone that it was becoming a parody of its own genre, and therefore brilliant. Well, I don't, I, you know, it's not the, I think this is, this is, the elephant in the room is, I think it's so important to your enjoyment of this game as to how much you sort of got on with the tone and the humour and the characters. Yeah, but, I mean, does that really come from the story? I mean, if we're looking at the story aspects, I mean, a lot of that comes from the gameplay and the weapons is the tone and the humour and the characters. But I, I think in the story sense of you, I, I, I jotted down two notes which summed up the entirety of this story, which is, I think, if you, if you like the humour... Um, it felt like the story was getting in the way of uh, you know just a fun rollicking time. But if you liked the story, it felt like the humour was getting in the way. And like if this... you liked neither the story or the humour, then then you, you just didn't like the game. I mean, that's that's the same as any kind of game. But it, it felt well, no, like... no, it isn't though. That's what I'm saying because I was hopeful that the the gameplay itself, the arena based shooting combat gameplay, would more than make up for the fact that personally I hated both the story I, I, and the characters and the humour. But I think, to me, the humour is part of the gameplay. I think that's fundamental. I think they, they're, they're tied together, like having the, you know, boring somebody into, or shooting their head off with the bore and, and whatever it be. I'm like talking it. about more about the gags in the cutscenes and the, and the lines and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I'm not... If you're talking about the humour of kicking somebody into an electrified uh, pole or something, yeah, that stuff, I can, I can get behind that. There's, there's a certain amount of enjoyable slapstick there. But it's all the other stuff. It's the stuff that, and like we'll hear it later in the three-word reviews, you know, the famous lines about dick tits and stuff. Now, if if you're on board with that, and if you did find it funny, like Darren obviously did, th- this is the problem that obviously we have with a show like this. We knew coming into this that we were going to have different mm-hmm. opinions about this, be- simply because humour is such a subjective thing. Yeah. So what I, I can see what you're saying, Leon, because I mean this actually pretty much killed Bayonetta for me myself, you know. Yeah, if right. you don't actually get into the general vibe of it, it can have a really strong yeah. polarising effect on your enjoyment of the game itself. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I'm interested in, because there's no point in us having a conversation where, you know, Darren says, well, I, it is funny because it made me laugh, and me saying, well, it's not funny well, because it didn't make me laugh. It's more about how important is it f- for this game, and how much does it rely on you going along with its, you know, sort of... Uh, he, action movie cliches and inventive, in inverted commas, swearing and stuff, and one-liner interchanges. To see, I was just hoping that it for me it would be like Gears of War, which which as as I said on our Gears of War three show, I never like those characters. I don't like the writing. I don't like the story. But they're not so offensive that I can't just ignore it and get on with the cracking gameplay. And here, for me, the the characters were more annoying, more grating, more charmless than the Gears of War characters, and the gameplay wasn't as good enough to make up for it. And it's quite jolting, and it, it, the whole decision was quite polarising. I've got a friend who I've played shooters with for many years, and I, I actually lent him the game as soon as I bought it, and I watched him play some of it. And he mm. found that the the attempted scripting comedy was with the actual... the script itself not the environmental yeah, sure. action yeah. was almost trying too hard to be yeah, different yeah. and 
that took him completely out of the experience and every time something would say he would just like cringe and it became hard for him to play that game now i actually left it a long time to play it because of that and i was mm. i was torn between being a bit you know out on the shooters it was crisis and all the uh, dead uh, dead space 2 and of course all the shooters from the year before that I was catching mm. up on and i thought even though it's supposed to be refreshing i'll give it a while and i didn't mind it but i did read an article about six months ago from one of the members of the team from the Polish office and yeah. they said it was only after release when they got a full translation back from <laughs> someone who knew exactly what they were doing with this translation and mm. they said it was far more overboard than they ever thought it was meant to be. That was actually a shame because I was hoping that they had dialed into the fact that they were going completely over the top and were 100% behind it. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm along with Darren on this. I, I think it is self, self-aware. Um, and to, to, to go back to my earlier point, I, I didn't particularly like the story. I thought the overarching story was just badly handled. Uh, it, it, at times it tried too hard um, to be serious and then it seemed to shit in its own face. Um, and I, you know, sometimes you're like, well, is that on purpose or is it? Does it just not know it's kind of wrecking its own uh, story? And I, I, I think it's more of a, the latter. It just didn't know what it was doing. Um, and I, to me, that you know, towards the back end of the game, it, it got really quite tiresome. And I, I ended up just didn't care about Ishii. You know, these men have been going through all these emotional moments, um, but I just you know, didn't care about the characters, and, and it started out staying its welcome. Yet, I found the actual, um, not the actual gameplay. We'll, we'll get on to the you know the, the minutia of the gameplay. Um, but I actually found the the pop-ups of um, God, I wish I'd jotted a few down. But there was was there like um, shish kebab if you if you managed to drill two or three people together, yeah. um, or the money shot if you shot some, some was it somebody in the balls, or uh, premature if you let off a rocket and then exploded it before the hidden. Like I actually found, gag reflex. You shoot them in the yeah, throat. Yeah, gag reflex if you yeah. shoot them in the in the throat. And but um, that's funny. Maybe twice, but then you're doing that. True for but, six hours, but I think the, the the thing that you need to know about this game is that the skill shot you have to be looking at what you know as you unlock the skill shot tree. Um, you need to be going into there, looking at the weapons and looking at what skill shot does what, because ultimately yeah. it's a guide to what you should be doing with these. Therein, guns. therein is the the game really it is all about the skill Completely. shots. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, I enjoyed anyway. Every time I saw one that come up, and you know, some were crass and ridiculous but some actually did make me laugh and there there was a couple of moments in that game where i chuckled to myself and you know i was i was a bit cautious about playing it around my wife liz because thinking well will she get it will she not um and she you know she even laughed at a couple of those the scenes i mean i've i've wrote down a couple of funny movement scenes on a on a notepad so i could even go through a couple that tickled me that didn't necessarily tickle you so it's a real mixed bag to me because the story Mm. didn't do anything but the actual um the humor of it i think shone through eventually but I didn't play I mean what we missed out at the start actually is I didn't play this game on choice I, I played this game at Eurogamer I thought it was actually good fun um, I played the demo and thought it was a, a mixed demo and I was all ready to, to get it but the Dictit stuff absolutely turned me off this game <laughs> and that's weird for me because I, I normally don't take issue with advertising campaigns to any degree but the fact that my Twitter feed was full of people saying Dictits without real Which you context, should not read up on Google by the way no, you d- definitely don't look at pictures of dictates. Google but, um, images, yeah. It, it seemed to be like they, they were trying to make this game the most immature possible event for anybody to come into. And I thought, you know what? No, I don't I don't want to be any part of this. I don't want to be a part of the dictates culture. I, I'm not that person. <laughs> a great line. <laughs> yeah, and, um, and, you know, coming to it now, you know, for, for the show, 
I actually I think that the PR campaign is a real um, disservice uh, putting that game in in that particular area, which is so the juvenile that you may not even want to play it. Um, because I don't think it is that juvenile. I think it's got some funny one-liners. I think it's got some funny humour in there, and I don't think it's anywhere as crass as it like actually likes to think it is. Or epic. I actually thought that you know, as much as I didn't enjoy the you know the we're we're using the dick tits as a shorthand for there are there are quite a few moments like that, but that is the the, the one that everyone remembers. But I actually probably enjoyed that in again with italics um, more than some of the other stuff that where because at least that was so absurd and so ludicrous that you could now yeah I mean something I wanted to say anyway like in in all media for me things people often sort of th- give things a pass it's like oh well it isn't taking itself seriously it's like that's a free pass to being a bit shit but I, it's not for me at all it's like well I don't care if it's not taking itself seriously it's that doesn't give it an excuse to be weak you know with with massively aggravating characters and let's not forget they're not. They, they might say they're not taking it seriously, but it's a business. They have specifically marketed something in that direction to be serious. But let's, let's look at this for a second. If we we, we take something like um, well the, the famous one, Duke Nukem Forever. Hmm. It it came out. It was dated the day that it was made, and it was dated the day it was released. <laughs> it, was... Um, it wasn't funny. Yeah. You know, nobody thought it was funny, um, and the gameplay was ridiculous. You know, it was a. It was a game that shouldn't have been released when it was released, and it was a game that probably. I bet somebody out there thought it was funny. Well, yeah, okay, well, good, good for them. They were the <laughs> one person. But you know, it, it showed that it wasn't a particularly, you know, the everyone said, well, the core concept of Duke can't work, and I think Bulletstorm actually proves that Duke can work. It just needs a little bit more self-aware. And back to what yeah, Darren was saying, were, at the, they were also seeing the exact same thing about Shadows of the Damned. You know, it's not. Yeah, they were probably right. It's not the amateur <laughs> humor as such. It's how you pull it off. It's always about how you actually get that. Yeah. Um... And this is where it comes back to the, the, the very problematic aspect of the subjectivity, because although I didn't like everything about Shadows of the Damned, I found it, by and large, infinitely funnier than Bulletstorm. Same voice actor, by the way, Steve Blum, or Bloom. Um, Grayson Hunt in this. Uh, and oh. it's it just comes down to what tickles you, doesn't it? And, and individual little lines and little nuances and stuff, and yeah, sometimes, you know, some Shadows of the Damned is pretty fucking stupid and sweary in lots of ways, but for whatever reason it just appealed to me that little bit more. It's and it and it's that is that is a problem you cannot analyze why, you know, why jokes work because it, well, it destroys them. Let me throw some scenes at you and see see what the reaction of the general crowd is. Shooting people to the tune of Disco Inferno on top of a dance floor. Fantastic. I enjoyed that. Quite original. That was okay. Nothing, Leon. Uh, that that was all right, actually. Yeah, I'd, I I must admit I'd forgotten that. That that did actually probably elicit one of the very few chuckles in the game. Um, as long as we do it quietly, uh, uh, Tris says to. I just want to. Call, I want to call him one of the Gears of War characters because I can't remember his blinking name, but he might as well just. This do being that. a, we haven't said. Obviously, people have probably played it. This being an Unreal Engine game, it does yeah. have resemblances to Gears of War graphically. So. He kicks a, a basically kicks a, a car down to form a bridge, which then knocks down a building. That had me chuckling. It it really did because it was they were going to be the most quiet scene. It's almost like you were going to do this weird stealth aspect which you hadn't seen in the game before, and just massive building collapses because you you know you've been so ridiculous and kicking something that you shouldn't have done that it but just causes this all-out kind of wall between you. There was something else that about that scene that I appreciated as well because Trishka Trishka turns around and she's just like. 
It is crazy how stupid you are. You know, <laughs> j- just with this look of absolute contempt. And I thought to myself, this is probably the most accurate la- relationship that I've seen in a game. What, just hating him? <laughs> yeah, just, it's like me and women, it, it just nailed that general vibe, you know? Well, and, and also to go back to you, I think it, it is a self-aware game because there's there's an earlier pit in the game where you go around, you're kicking things and everything you come up to, you, you hold down circle or whatever it may be in your gamepad and you kick doors down and they, they smash with physics and it's kind of cool each and every time. But there's a gate early on that you walk up to, you kick it and you're expecting <laughs> it to fly off. It hits the wall, flies back and smacks you in the face and you go, Duh! Jesus Christ. And it it just, I don't know, because it was self-aware enough to know that every time you think, oh, that's just going to be this cool scene, and it flew off and then come back and hit you in the face. It was, I don't know, that there is self-awareness to that It's game. It's the fact that it kind of tries to laugh it off as well, you know? It's, yeah, I remember that bit. The thing I remember most about the game is feeling that the start was incredibly weak, and that, that's where I can understand people find it quite jarring, as my friend did. But as the game progressed... It just seemed to improve in it became less obnoxious and more enjoyable to play the environments improved the the script in itself just i mean it was never going to be great but it was definitely an improvement over where the game started and it kept drawing me back for that reason um i, I just the more i played it the more i started to enjoy and appreciate what that game was offering me yeah a lot of people feel exactly the same way but Tony, uh, you missed up one scene that I thought was brilliant as well. See the very first time that Grayson, Hunt and Trishka come together, and um, basically Grayson's looking for a way of world, and he, see, he thinks that Trish is his best chance to basically coerce her into getting him off world. He comes across her, and uh, he's like, go away, lady, you know, is there any chance you could help us get off world? We've been stuck here forever. And she turns around and she's like, yeah... Um, fuck you guys, you know. You shitbars give chase and I'll kill your dicks. And, what and he the, says... The, the beautiful thing about the scene is that he's just like, What? You're going to kill my dick? What the fuck does that even mean? And it's just... That line really kind of proved to me that they knew that they were just... They were going beyond absurdity in a lot of ways. And that's why it surprised me that the Polish uh, interview came back and said that that guy didn't know that they were going overboard. That one scene alone pretty much showed that at least the translators knew that they were going crazy with this. Yeah, it does. And, like, there's enough sort of obvious um, sort of homage lines to the way that, uh, you know, hulking, muscle-bound action heroes of the 80s and 90s talk to each other in there to know that the translation was not, you know, it's not one of those games where, bloody hell, this is one of those weird Polish games where everyone's got a funny voice and they're all speaking in pidgin English and stuff like that. It doesn't feel like that at all. In fact, I would be, I would not be surprised if many people thought that this uh, was an American game because it, that's, how it, that's how it comes across. It's got a very American vibe to it. It feels like it's come out of Epic Studios as in div- design and development. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of stuff did get done over in America. Of yeah. Course. It yeah. was only an outline that was given by the... Polish developers themselves on what the scripting should be. The mechanics might have been American, but uh, it might have been Polish, it, but the scripting wasn't. It almost feels like a, a parody of Epic themselves because that's what I loved about it. Well, as as much as I mean, we, we've done the Gears of War free show, so you know people know certainly Leon's views on on how the story pans on that. But you know that story takes itself seriously. Now you you either like it or you don't, but it, you know, there's no denying it takes itself seriously. 
And it's almost like this came out of Epic Studios of just being something that was completely daft, off the wall, um, like that that had, you know, Gears of War had these big epic um, firefights that were actually quite tactical. This decided just to kind of throw all that out, out of the bag and say, well, you know, just have fun in these environments, just blow uh, shit up. Um, so it almost feels just like this... If if we took everything, you know, stripped the Gears of War back and left it with just the engine, what could we do outside of these Dom um, characters? Um, and it, yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't almost it doesn't actually feel like it was designed by anybody else other than Epic. But clearly, that was the case. And I'm surprised that um, was it. People can fly have didn't have any idea what they would do. Or apparently, didn't have any idea about the the translation because it feels like the game was designed around that translation. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the, the the thing I can imagine perhaps getting a little warped through translation is the the thing we mentioned earlier about the tone being a bit messed up. I mean, yeah. this is something, this is a bugbear of mine with a lot of modern Hollywood films, mainstream particularly, where they can't decide sort of whether they are playing for laughs or they're, you know, and they'll jump horribly juxtapose a really serious scene with a, with a comedic moment. I mean, going back as far mm. as thinking about Titanic, uh, moments of hilarity where the Asian family can't read the exit signs and stuff like that. Like that's not even funny, um, but they, you know, it was played for laughs and things like that. Um, you see it a lot, and and I can imagine that through a translation process, uh, tone is something that is quite subtle and difficult to manage. Um, and yeah, it come for me. It comes back to the point that I could, I could have forgiven a lot more of this as as i have done with a lot of video games over the years going way back you know even when most games were fucking stupid meat-headed aliens versus lunk-headed twats um with big guns um if you know if the gameplay was solid enough and cool enough then you can you can look past that stuff but there's a lot of cutscenes here and there's a lot of interchanges between the characters and, and if, you, if you're if you not enjoying that it really does great quite quickly There is the other side, whereas if you are enjoying it, it you know, it's going to get a good few laughs sure, from you sure. Let's get on to the game, because we, we haven't actually talked about what you actually do in this game, we talk about some of these epic moments and, and how the story doesn't really, you know, whether it has or hasn't gelled but we haven't talked about what you do fundamentally in Bulletstorm yeah. I thought it was a book review Hmm well, we're hoping that people obviously have played the game before they've well, no, we should, spoiled we the should, story. The, the, yeah, the whole thing, as we said, the whole thing really is it's uh, it's arena-based arcade shoot 'em up battles um, with a leash and a kick and some slow-mo bullet time and lots of big, definitely quite meaty weapons. Um, and and the key thing is is uh, is the skill shots and using the environment. Well, I mean, the tagline of the game is "kill with skill." That's right. So. Uh... Yeah, for what it's worth, it's it's definitely worth it to actually can uh, be inventive in the ways that you dispatch human beings and freaks. Now I know a lot of people absolutely loved this aspect of the game, and I was really I thought this would this would be the game for me because I love I love stuff like that. I love in creative killing, and I like games where like like Halo, where it is sort of skirmishes in a set area, be it big or small, bigger in Halo than in Bulletstorm by and large. Um, and it is about using the weaknesses of certain enemies against them and deciding which weapons to use and which... And, and when you put physics into the mix as well, excellent. I, th- this is why I was really looking forward to it and seeing those sort of... Um, the, those captions that you're talking about, Tony, and with the with the points underneath them, the multipliers racking up, I thought I was going to absolutely love this. Um, 
and I think most people did. So let, rather than me be a bit negative about it again, um, why don't you fellas well, talk about why it's so much I, fun? I'll do the 101 and what, how you do things and you guys can pick up the, the more advanced techniques. <laughs> but um, the 101 is the leash. The leash is something that comes protrudes from your hand as you, you whip. Um, and it has a couple of variations to that. You can drag people towards you in this slow-mo fashion. They slowly come towards you. Um, or you can, uh, with a special ability, you can use what they call a thumper, which is hits the ground and it launches them up into the air. Uh, I think there's a couple of other aspects that would be that you have a melee attack, which is basically you kick them, which also launches them into slow-mo or forward or backwards, depending on where you're kicking them. Um, you, have, you have like a, a Vanquish-style slide. Um, I think you just double tap a, um, and you slide along on along the ground, and you can hit things, and that kicks them up in the air once again. And then you, but it, the most simplest of things, you have the weapon. Now that weapon can be as simple as shooting bullets to in people's chests to kill them, really basically for ten points, not really worth anything. Or it can be as elaborate as you can attach different skill shots to them, such as like firework shots or bouncing balls or, or bouncing um, cannonballs or uh, was it the penetrator, the one with um, it's got like a drill. a drill attachment to which you fire and they will hit people and then basically launch them into the air. So there are your basic moves, which is slow-mo people into the air and then it's down to the player to take their chances and their choices to either just kill them easily or to kick them into cacti or off ledges or hit them with fireworks. Uh, the more you do that kind of stuff, the more the multiplayer and the creative elements popped in. So if you just shoot them, you get 10 points. If you kick them into a cactus, you get 100 points. If you kick them into a cactus while they're alight with a firework stuck in their head, you get, say, 250 points plus a different uh, set of multipliers. Um, so that's the basic concept, which is you don't get anything just playing this like a normal shooter. You have to use the skill aspects. Um, and that basically gives you a total of points, which then you can spend on weapon upgrades um, and special abilities. Which I have to say, before you guys pick this up, I don't think they particularly explain that very well. Um, I had this bunch of points. I think I was up to like 19,000 points in those early, like I did like two or three levels without spending hardly anything. Because I was like, well, I'm going to need to save these for guns, right? 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 <laughs> no. You really need to buy the bullets. So I was basically just running around with a assault rifle. Oh. Not particularly having... Well, I was, I was having an enjoyable time, but I was shooting barrels and using the environment and not actually spending the points um, because I don't think it really told me what I should be doing with these points. Yeah, I mean, it's curious that they don't actually give you a, a huge amount of ammo in this game, you know, because you do kind of get the feeling that it would be a balls-out, you know, just bullets flying everywhere kind of job. But if you're There's... not buying ammo, you don't get a lot of enemies. You've got to buy them. And, but how weird is that? I mean, this. I mean, back to Leon's point, like, this game is all about just having fun and over-the-top, yet... You're restricted by whether you've you've got enough points. I guess it's their balancing system of where well, you can't have all the cool shit unless you uh, you know unless you do stuff to earn that. I think but it's at the same a very time, undeveloped kind of method of trying to get you to actually play with skill, as they put it. Um, but at the same time, if you're trying to play this just like a standard shooter, you're not going to get much out of it. You won't be unlocking the cool shit, and what you're doing will be very standard in comparison to leashing someone in the face. Pulling him towards you, strapping a bomb onto him, and then kicking him back into his pals. You know, I think the actual gameplay experience that you would get, just playing it straight, as opposed to playing it how they want you to play it, there's a massive divide, and I think there is a lot more they could have done to try and, you know, like, teach new players how to really get the most out of the game. Yeah, instead of a, a fairly lengthy 
story introduction, I think they would have been better off just kind of presenting this game what it is, yeah, and yeah. actually giving you a tutorial and really going nuts with what you can actually do. Or maybe giving you all the weapons to start with and then taking away that cl- classic old technique, but it, maybe it would have oh, worked better in this game. Yeah, or even just giving you all the weapons, you know? Mm. I mean, that's the thing. I think that if you had all the weapons available at the start and you were unlocking your abilities for them as you went through the game as opposed to just having a few at the start, it could be, you know, I think that would also also have uh, encouraged experimentation. I mean, the Penetrator, you only get that in the last, is it two levels? Like the last two yeah. chapters? Uh, yeah, last act, I think, yeah. Yeah, like some, some of them are held back just way too long, I think. I think the, one of the last things you get is the shotgun with um, acid bullets. Yeah, the, the bone duster. Yeah, you get the bone duster, then you can upgrade it a long time after you get it. Yes. Yeah, because I, I seem to remember having that gun and then always going to the terminals to try and upgrade it, and the actual point where you can upgrade it so that you can get the special abilities is a hell of a lot, uh, long time after you initially pick it up. So so what would be your average level, then, walking in, rather than just shooting people in the head, what would be your, your average, what would happen amongst the gameplay? How would I do it? Yeah. First of all, I would slide across the battlefield and kick someone in the knees. As he went up, I would shoot him in the head, turn around and leash his pal into a nearby cactus or anything that was nice and sharp looking. Basically, it all depends on the environment. Like, you get a lot of points for using environmental kind of things to your advantage. So if there's little, I think they're nom-nom pods? Yeah. If there's any of those going around, you can either shoot them to kind of poison yourself and you'll get skill shots for killing people while you're intoxicated. Or you can kick it onto their faces and they won't have a clue where you are. It's, um... I mean, generally I would have a shotgun for a start, and... Yeah. It it really does depend on the situation, to be honest. Another thing I think the game done really poorly was explain skill... As in, um... The upgraded skill shots, so... What are they called? The, um... Charge. The charge, charge, yeah, the charge yeah. shots. It, it never really told you how to... I mean, I, I was under the illusion for a while that maybe I could earn these things. If I pulled off good skill shots, then maybe I'd earn these charge shots. And that which wasn't would the be case a better way of doing it. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't the case at all. It was you had to purchase the charge shots, which were, when you first played the game, actually quite expensive. So yeah. I was reluctant to actually purchase this stuff because I was like, well, I kind of want ammo. I need ammo to get through these levels. So once again, they, they kind of hold away something because the charge shots are always infinitely more fun. So you have a pistol which does damage, of course it does. But then again, you do the charge shots and it launches a firework at them. I mean, that is instantly more fun. Yet, time you have enough cash to actually use that stuff, normally you've forgotten the pistol because you've got better guns. So I barely ever used a firework technique. I actually quite enjoyed the way that the weapons were spread out. Uh, I had no problems whatsoever with the spacing between the way you were offered it because you were always developing your skill shots with each weapon when you hit the next tier for the next weapon to unlock. And then when you got the charges, you could go back over it. And you start to realise what situations, uh, the placement of enemies, uh, the grouping techniques to try and unlock certain skill shots like Acid Rain for taking, vaporising two enemies out of the sky with a shotgun, or Juggler when you, you, you thump them up in the air and juggle them a couple of times. And the first time you get every skill shot, you also get a far higher cost. Uh, and it'll come up new and let, let you know... and. As has been mentioned, you get multipliers for doing several at the same time if you kill several enemies with it. So you're always trying to get the maximum impact from the minimum amount of ammo. 
And Tony's right. The start of the game, you basically always buy in ammo, and you soon realise that it's not a great game if you're just going to try and shoot people in the chest. You're only going to get the ten points. The progression's going to be slow, but you soon get like the pistol's the next weapon. And it's quite interesting that Tony said he hardly used that because that was the gun that I took with me throughout the game. It was always the PMC, which you can't get rid of, the pistol, plus anything else. Uh, Penetration and shotgun. My two favourite ones. I wasn't a big fan of the shotgun. I didn't like the range on it. The range was shit, but I mean, since I usually slid into people anyway, that was definitely a good secondary weapon to have. But the nice thing about the pistol was that it was it was drop-dead accurate, and you could usually take a hit off and absolutely with no problems whatsoever, Yeah. If you, as long as you were a good shot. They even had a surgeon skill shot for hitting a specific body part enough times for it to be shot off. So if you hit the arm say three times in a row and you shot the arm off without hitting any other parts of the body, you would actually get the surgeon skill shot. And you, it's so much more accurate than the PMC, which is a bit of a almost scattergun approach. So the two elements you have to, I think, if you're playing this game, you have to be following it. One is the, your, your screen, when you leash into these, I, I guess they're almost like computer portals, aren't they? But they, they allow you, as you get new weapons, it tells you which skill shots you are, and they unlock different abilities. Um... And you have to really be following that stuff because that's where the enjoyment of the game comes. If you see, um, say, for instance, you get I don't know the shotgun, and uh, it will tell you quickly that the best, you know, one of the skill shots there is if you shoot somebody in half, then you'll get a skill shot for that. If you shoot their legs off, then obviously you get the legless skill shot, uh, and you get points for that. So rather than just burrowing there and doing anything, you, you you follow these techniques which they basically lay down in front of you, and you get the most enjoyment out of the game. At the same time, in, within the, this menu, it tells you about the environmental stuff. So that's always something you've got in the back of your mind, which is, okay, if I electrocute somebody here, or if I throw them in a cactus, or, or kick them at the edge. And, and I don't, and, you know, to bring Leon back in the, the conversation, I don't ever feel like they, they went far enough with that stuff. I, I actually got pretty bored with the environmental stuff. Mm. Um, about halfway through the game, I think they run out of techniques. So yeah. The, the idea, I mean, they, okay, electric, I get that. Um, then there was the odd one, maybe you could kick them into cacti or, you know, plant plants eating men and kick them on the ledges. But I don't think they ever took that as far as they, they could have done, that idea. Um, it, I'm somewhere in between. I mean, I think that they could have taken it further. But at the same time, it never stopped being satisfying to me, you know. If someone was near a ledge, they were going off the ledge and I would feel happy about it. The, the one thing about the skill shots that um, I do wish that was slightly different if you could chain them a bit better, because the amount of times that I set up a really elaborate trap or a sequence of events, which would end up with me getting 10 points for just shooting them at the end. Yeah. You know, so everything that led up to that had been disregarded, because maybe yeah. there was a slight pause between leashing them, kicking them, shooting them in the legs, whatever, and the final kill shot uh, was basically disregarding everything that had led up to it. I mean... Uh... I, I, it's odd because I, I feel like I, I'm I'm stuck between a couple of people. I I agree with that, but at the same time, I think this game lost lost most of its momentum halfway through, um, and for a couple of reasons. I, I think the story didn't help because the story was trying to do one thing and the game was trying to do something entirely different. I felt so I never really gelled with with the story segment. So I kind of got you know I was back down to the gameplay, and I don't think the gameplay, although it's ridiculous to say it's not varied enough, because you can do so many things with so many different guns and you can vary it up as much as you want. But like the environmental stuff, I, I would have I would have found it a lot more entertaining if I could kick a guy maybe into an area which collapsed a bit down on a group of This is my key 
problem and my ultimate disappointment with the game because as I say I could have uh, if if all this stuff if the actual combat was eternally satisfying to me and eternally rewarding I could overlook the, the fact that I despise the characters and the plot and the acting and all that stuff but the one thing that I really really wanted from this game was a kind of I wanted the kind of flexibility and possibility of for emergent moments as something like the best moments of Halo or Battlefield have. And it just doesn't have that. The physics are really rigid and unconvincing. Um, the AI enemies are dull and repetitive and unexciting. Um, the skill shots, uh, it's like it's not like I didn't explore this. It's not like I, I made the mistake of playing this game wrong. I went through it and I unlocked a good probably three quarters of the skill shots, maybe more. And yet I was like after, you know, that initial 25 minutes, which is awful. The first 25 minutes of the game is dire. It's like, finally, I've got my my leash. And now I've got after half an hour, I have finally got the skill shots thing. And for a while, I was having fun. Definitely like, oh, yeah, OK, now I'm yanking people into spiked fences and, sh- and kicking them off ledges and all that. But then about another sort of half an hour after that, you're just doing the same thing over and over and over again. And I, c- I completely accept that sometimes that can be enough in itself. But Tony, you and I played through uh, the slightly shoddy version of Halo Combat Evolved recently in co-op with bad lag and everything. But I had so much more fun in the combat on that of of that ten year old Halo game with the way that the way that things can bounce off each other, the way you can shoot things out the sky, the way that rag the ragdolling is so much more convincing and stuff than I did in in this this brand new game that should have been all about that. I still get an enormous amount of satisfaction whenever I uh, kill an enemy and, and in, in games, whether you headshot a dude in Red Dead Redemption and he flops off his horse. That's still fucking awesome every time. But this game actually fails to have that sense of reward by having these terrible enemies and terrible physics. It's hard, isn't it? Because I know that a lot of people are fans of this game and I feel like... and. You know, I don't think it's right, but I feel like you know there's a number of people that are going, no, you're playing it wrong, and and that's not the case because, like you, Leon, I, I unlocked 75% of all skill shots, so I was playing it in every single way. I I feel like I possibly could. I, the ones I was basically missing were you know a lot of the co-op stuff, which is kind of annoying. Mm. But that that is my um, regret, and we, we will talk a little bit about the multiplayer and co-op stuff that. I know a lot of people did very much enjoy the co-op. Co-op makes everything better. Um, I can imagine the interplay between two characters uh, being a lot of fun and probably making more of those interesting emergent moments than you get against the AI. So that is that is my failing that I didn't play that. And and I'd like Darren and Carl to kind of, because I know they, they really got a lot out of the skill shot system, to maybe elaborate a little bit more. What I will say finally is I feel like this game... Um, it just it just run out of pace. Like it, it's about eight hours long, the single player, or seven mm. to eight hours long, and it it feels like it could have just been a little shorter. I found the, t- the last couple of hours a real chore. I, I wasn't really enjoying the skill shot system anymore. I feel like I I felt like I'd seen everything the skill shot system had to offer, and I and I was just barreling towards the the end because I felt like I almost felt like the game just wanted me to do that. I was like, yeah, get this over. And most of my memorable moments, um, you know, sitting down and, and jotting through notes of what I wanted to talk about this game, are actually like the the set pieces that they that they set up. You got the the train set piece where there's this huge, great big cogwheel that is chasing you down this hill, and you're on the back of this train, and it's only a, a turret sequence. Mm. But good, 
God, does it look gorgeous! And good God, I'm like, wow, that's that that's um, that's coming out my 360. Yeah, there are oh points God. where the game technically looks amazing, but I think overall, I, I fa- again, I found aesthetically, I thought it was a pretty ugly game, you know, in, well, in terms of art design, and also like the most most parts were pretty limited in scope and draw distance, not not because of technical issues, but just because of the arenas that you're playing in. So, like the title screen is probably the best looking thing in the game. <laughs> It's it's weird. Um, I sorry, I don't know. I go on, but it's it's weird. Um, I played this on the PlayStation Three because I got it for five pounds in the in the Morrison deal. Uh, so fantastic, great deal. Um, back in Christmas time. But uh, I I this is going to sound elitist. I wish I played it on the PC. Um, mainly mainly because I mean I, there's a demo on the PC and you played that. It's just the 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 anti aliasing. The um, I think Bulletstorm is a fine looking game on both on the 360 and on the PS3. I think it does something. Uh, the, I mean, talk about the anti gears of war. It has colours. It has lots of colours. It almost uses every single colour in the colour palette. Um, where gears of war, you know, knows grey. Uh, although free kind of adjusted on that. But um, on the PC, it it just it it refines all those edges. I think it just makes it look like a a smooth and more. Um, a game probably they wanted to make rather than some of the, the you know the the cutbacks they had to do with the anti aliasing probably to get the better frame rate. But that I mean that's a, that's a nick a, a real I don't know just criticism with of just maybe where tech is now. But yet I mean Darren Carl I mean you love this game so sell us. I wouldn't say I loved the game. I mean I I enjoyed it for what it was. I mean it was pretty standard fare. It was just I enjoyed the slickness of movement and the almost overly aggressive combat. I mean. I understand where Leon's coming from. You you do realise quite quickly that you've seen everything the game has to offer. It's just a different flavour of something. Uh, And that's where the game's obviously built around the Echoes mode. And you realise, playing that, that each area is very well designed for a small amount of combat. Mm. So the Echoes mode is a multiplayer one, isn't it? Where they, they take... Echoes is... Essentially, what mirror? Yeah, it's basically the equivalent of Mirror's Edge, where you had the main game, and then you realised how well designed those areas of the main game were when there were time trials. Yeah, I I kind of wish I had spent some time with that, but because I was so sick of it by the end of the campaign, I didn't actually want to. Plus, it was your copy of the game, so I had to return it. But I do feel like if I have missed out on this game, that's probably where it was. I think that's maybe even the strongest part of the game. Mm. I said the same thing about Mirror's Edge. I thought the weakest part of Mirror's Edge, for example, was the main game, and it was the speedruns and the time trials afterwards. And I think with this, every area that they've chosen for Echoes is the strongest possible area from that level. And they're the areas where you're able to multiply the greatest variance in your skill shots. And I really enjoyed that part of things. It was almost the, the it was the other bits, the progression to the next decent arena, and that's where, without a doubt, you realise that it is essentially an arena game where they yeah. had to sort of open some areas to walk to the next arena. Isn't Echoes co-op as well? I thought I thought that was something. You've... No, oh. Echoes is leaderboard. Okay, scores. Yeah. Yeah. It's Ascension, isn't it? Oh. Anarchy. 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 Okay. Anarchy is the combat. Right. Stuff. Okay. And is there a combative multiplayer at all? No. 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 Didn't think so. Okay. So who spent any time in Anarchy mode? I spent a good few hours last night playing Anarchy yeah? mode. Fun? Yeah. Quite clever. 
uh, there's a few annoyances. You carry see your, your co-op teammate doesn't necessarily stand out enough. So the amount of times you're actually piling round after round because everything's moving at such a pace. Uh, but there, there, there's a clever take on some skill shots where you know you could have a tug of war skill shot where you both leash a guy and you end up cutting him in half. And <laughs> yeah, and every map has its own special skill kill area. I played a map last night that went on for, I think it's called Deadlock. Uh, it went on for a good couple of hours as we progressed all the way to the level 20, which is the maximum level. And we found uh, an area where if someone, st- there's a tornado in the middle of the map, and if you stood on a bridge at the top and another person stood lower down opposite the tornado, you could use the flail gun to tie them up and then kick them in towards the tornado and the other person would leash them from that point, pull them through the tornado and an electric current and you'd end up getting a good almost 1500 points per single kill because you'd end up getting like a five times multiplier for like sadist and you're not in Kansas which is the tornado skill kill you'd get mm-hmm. shocked, uh, you'd get the uh, gotcha for, team gotcha for taking your teammates enemy from him and it there's a, there's a good take on that, and then you get one special character which requires a special team kill. Uh, some of these could be uh, simple ones like a bullet slide, where one of you slides into them and the other one shoots him, or it could be for impaling the enemy or throwing them into a Venus flytrap, and that definitely adds another sort of variance on the gameplay. And They were its strongest part, but the fact that it moves so quickly and the almost lack of clarity over your your co-op teammate and you can give damage to your co-op teammate it ends up being a little bit frustrating what i did like is you can revive your other teammate and you revive them by simply kicking them in the face (laughs) okay i can get behind that mechanic um so it's still populated then online i didn't try public multiplayer just private i I found yeah i i was on the ps3 and i just i managed to find a game on there as well so there's people playing it and yeah at this point they're very very good yeah. um, one one thing I, I must say is if you, if you look at the, some of the Echo stuff and certainly if you go online and look at some of the YouTube videos I mean there's me saying I, I don't think that you know that's varied enough in some of the abilities you you watch some of the players do what they can do on YouTube and yeah maybe I, I could eat some humble pie on, on that because they do some stuff yeah okay I wouldn't even imagine that you could group that stuff together but like Darren says it, it's weird that they don't Add a lot of that stuff as multipliers. It's more about the last, almost the last thing that actually happened. Hmm. Uh, anything anyone has to say about the soundtrack? Uh, Christoph Vierzinkovic is the uh, man responsible, along with a Mikhail Cielecki. Uh, apologies for my Polish pronunciations. Um, I can't remember a single note of the music. Has anyone got anything more positive to say about it than that? The menu theme is quite epic. Yes, I love the Probably menu theme. Have. All right, I'm sure that will, well, hopefully we can find a copy of that and it will find its way into this podcast at some some point. Uh, otherwise, fairly generic sort of action game sort of stuff. I'd say so. I mean, like, apart from the menu theme, I can't actually remember much of the mm. music. And I'm the same, and I was playing it today. I was playing it today, and I can't remember a single tune from it. Like, a lot of the times I'll say that a soundtrack's fine because it's ambient and it kind of melts in the mm-hmm. background. But trying to remember the, the soundtrack in this game... 
it's entirely absent from my memory. Okay, I'm glad it wasn't just me. Um, yeah, actually, I think I've. I think the uh, the. I I don't remember the title screen theme, but I know a lot of people do like it. I think I never sat on it, in fact, other than just to go. Oh, that's pretty. Um, but unfortunately, even the title screen, which is pretty, has the horrible character graphics standing right at the front of it. So uh, I never stayed there that long. But I believe uh, I think Dork Tunes have featured the. Um, the uh, the title screen music before, so I guess it's got something going for it. Yeah, I mean, I I, I know I've sounded pretty harsh on, on points of this, but I, I actually do. I think there's an enjoyable game amongst all this stuff, and in particular, I think this game actually does boss battles pretty good. It's not something I would normally say about many games at all, but I, I had a lot of fun with these boss battles because I don't think they're too hard. I also think they've got some interesting uh, things when you take them down, and they also go down with a big thump. Um, one in particular, uh, which you've got the weed boss, which is this huge, great, big, man-eating plant that you need to shoot the glowy bits on the side, but it, it looks very epic. Um, but also there, there's this boss where this big helicopter crashes down, and he's got these big spinning blades on the ground. And it's all very loud, and sparks are coming off these blades, and it's obvious what you need to do, which is um, you know shoot this big walking mammoth thing that's coming towards you weaken him to the point where you can kick him and you do that five or six times and he gets ever closer to those spinning blades and it is one of the most satisfying moments I've had in gaming when finally he manages to fall back into these blades and spins and it's like I mean you get like meat feast or something as a a mint meat or something like that and it it put a big smile to my face there's also mini bosses Um, they're the guys with these big normally turrets aren't they uh, minigun turrets um, which you have to weak down and then pull their helmet off which then you know once you've taken them down again you have the choice to either pull in their head off or pull in their ass off and I did just say that, that that it brought one of the funniest lines in this which wasn't actually the game which is Liz walked in the room at the moment I was leashing this uh, mini boss's ass. I pulled his ass off and Liz just turned around and said did you just pull, pull that man's ass off and it, I don't know. It was it was funny to degree, and I'm I'm not even one for this kind of that kind of humour. But the fact that it was just you couldn't imagine in any situation why she would ever say that to me in any situation. <laughs> You've been going and to the wrong party. Uh. Yeah, um, but yeah. So I, it's I think its mechanics are, are solid enough on occasions. I just I think it it just loses direction. It feels ironically like it needs a sequel. <laughs> I would agree. Which they've cancelled now, so that's yeah. We shit. we we we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, mm. Yeah, the other level I wanted to mention specifically was uh, that really sticks out in my mind for all the wrong reasons. Was the level where you control a giant uh, animatronic Godzilla monster? Um, there's Waggleton P. Teller, indeed. And uh, and again, you see, this is good for the listeners who haven't played this game yet because they know that if they thought that was funny, then they'll probably enjoy the game. And if they didn't, they probably won't. Um, so there's you end up uh, you kind of go to a model village or a model city, which is actually quite again fair play to the developers for actually putting you in a few unusual places that you don't normally find yourself in in games. Uh, but then there's a really horribly extended sequence with appalling controls where you have to you take control of this uh, rather than a, there, there are quite a few sort of traditional turret sections throughout dotted throughout yeah. the game which are ho-hum drum. Um, but this was just... Spec- I, I just really had no idea what they thought this was a good... Obviously, it's one of those, oh, what if this will be fun, and this will add some variety. And 
you know, at, at first I'm thinking, oh, cool, okay, because I am really quite bored of kicking people up in the air now. And uh, But then the control for this section was so bad that I couldn't wait till I was back with my leash. And uh, That's curious. I mean, what exactly about this section was so bad for you, Leo? You have to bear in mind it's uh, it's best part of a year ago now and i'm this is this is my memory of it that the thing was horrible mm-hmm. to control um that you had to sort of it had some kind of giant cursor that you had to aim and point and uh and you were you essentially it was laser designated because you were controlling it on that's the right yeah um and i just i think you get attacked by quite a few sort of uh dudes coming out on uh, a higher level than you, which is unusual for the game, Multiple because mo- most yeah. of the most of the game you you fight. It's there's not a lot of verticality, is there? It's pretty much all at um, player level, which again is another sort of thing that I think makes it a bit more repetitive and boring than it should have been. Um, specifically, I can't get into the minutia of why, but I remember really hating that bit. Yeah, it's it's curious because I mean I had no problem with that bit whatsoever. I mean it's fairly short, and I, rem- I remember it being long. But <laughs> there you go, that's probably yeah, it's, I wasn't it's probably because you were on an excruciating pain, mm. you know, whereas I was really in the swing of it. But generally, I found that if you just pointed it at anyone, they would melt very quickly. And uh, it's it just it's stra- I just found it strange that you singled that point out, part out, whereas I mm. had no problem with it at all. Yeah, well, I mean, well, did anyone else? That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad we can report both sides of the story to the listeners. I remember there being some really yeah. annoying. Uh, was there a boss with that? Uh, your your animatronic Godzilla monster versus something else? Not really. I mean, there's there's, there's the flying sort of helicopter things that were a bit of a pain in the ass to shoot. Hmm. But it was more just the uh, the frustration I had with it was simply if you moved the dinosaur into the wrong place it would take him forever to turn round and some of the enemies would be running at you and others would be turning down on you and you Yeah. Uh, it was just that I sounds familiar. a bit farcical. Yes. Yes, that's 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 what I was getting at. <laughs> I am surprised. Definitely not saying you're uh, wrong or anything like that, but it's just I never thought that would have been a, a note of contention in the game. Yeah, I tend to it's again it's it, maybe it's a slightly personal thing in that I tend to find I, I understand why developers put sections where they suddenly do something very different in there, as I say, for variety and probably for themselves as much as anything, because they get to do something different during development. Yeah. Um, but I often find that they're very sort of just w- willfully annoying. I can agree with you on that particular uh, part. Um, generally, if, if a developer's going to make something varied and interesting. I would rather it was part of the core concept of the gameplay. Yes. Like something that you could do from start to finish yes. if you were being... Yeah, exactly. Or even just level specific, you know, but as long as it ties into the core gameplay, it would be fine. But when you're suddenly put into control of a turret, when you're normally able to move around by yourself, yeah. it just feels tacked on, you Yeah, know? absolutely. Yeah, and it was like that. And they'd obviously tried something and, you know, again, if I was feeling more... Uh, disposed towards the game as a whole by this point, maybe I'd have thought, oh, this is cool, you get to control a giant, unwieldy animatronic Godzilla, but because I wasn't feeling it at this point anyway, um, I guess it just seemed like insult to injury, really. Um, a more positive comment comes from our forumite, Delby2K, Derek Ritchie, um, who probably echoes the feelings of more of you who are listening to this by saying, Bulletstorm was, for me, the best shooter of that year. 
2011. Nothing else allowed me to be as inventive. Nothing else was so extroverted and wildly unpredictable as this title in the shooter space. The different ways you could mix the combat up into a ballet of whipping, shooting and abusing the environments to your own end made every level a new playground to experiment in. Alongside that, I do not even think the script was that bad. It had its tongue firmly in its cheek and knew not to take itself too seriously. I laughed quite a lot during it, to be quite honest, though I know it grated, I know it grated with a lot of people. I have a real fear that the game will be shortchanged as a fun but ultimately shallow title that provided a gimmick when compared to the majority of its ilk. It dared to be different, actually try something new for a change, and that deserves a lot of praise, says Derek. Anyone care to comment on Derek's findings? It's nice to see someone really positive about a game like this. I mean, I can't necessarily agree with him that it was the best shooter in a year where we had Battlefield 3, Dead Space 2, Crisis 2, Modern Warfare 3, Halo, Combat, Anniversary. But, you know, the game tried something different and if someone felt that it was their game of the year, then that's excellent that they got something from something like this. There's a lot of affection for it. Um, I have found, because I have sort of been vocal about it being a, a big disappointment to me that many more people are willing to defend it than and sort of not not in a not in a pointless you know sort of well i liked it sort of way just as in a oh god it was yeah. really good fun why didn't you like it kind of thing there was a really odd nature on twitter when we we're talking about this because people who liked it seemed to feel like they need to to apologize for yeah, yeah yeah it, it was really odd and when in fact the if the people that didn't like it were far in the minority of the people that did enjoy it. Definitely. So the fact yeah. that they were apologising for enjoying something that seemed to be most people yeah, enjoyed crazy. was really odd to me. And so there's obviously something that they felt within that game, like maybe they were just you know, letting go and having fun and, and not taking itself too seriously. And because of that, they needed to almost apologise for the title for not being yeah, as serious. Absolutely. It, it's a really odd and because And because, you know, it is obviously, you know, even its biggest lover was going to say it's big, dumb fun. And in fact, that's, you know, according to many, including Darren here, I think that that is why it's good, because it is big, dumb fun. And sometimes that's just what you need. And that's exactly what I wanted from it. And... You know, people who have listened to me on podcasts here on Kane and Rinse and elsewhere will know that I generally much prefer to like games than I do to hate them. I very It's quite rare that I will actually go out of my way to be critical of a game. But this one, for whatever reason, it for, well, for the reasons it, <laughs> I've just gone into at length, um, rubbed me up the wrong way, both aesthetically and uh, in terms of writing and stuff that. But then it's, the core gameplay really let me down as well. So the combination of the two things has meant that it was it's probably one of my least liked games of last year. I was trying uh I was thinking it, it's odd because they're almost the exact same words I had for Shadows of the Dam. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, uh, we we slightly had different yeah. you know, I I think you probably feel like how I feel about Bulletstorm. You know, I wasn't, you know, overly in love with it, but I, I certainly you know, wasn't you know, I didn't feel like I it was a, a waste mm. of uh, a waste of time. I didn't feel like I was Shadow of the but it, a lot of the elements you just said there, you know, completely for me parallel with yeah. what I found with Shadow of the And that's Dan. you know, that's why it's interesting. It would be a shame if, if we always came on every Kane and Rinse and it was a complete love in um it's it's good to have things to to chew over and i'm you know like i always say i'd much rather like a game i'd much rather have thought it was as awesome as uh darren here did and uh mr mcfluffin who listens who's done a three-word review um so on that before we go to the three-word review shall we shall we do our own roundup i've kind of done mine but i've got a couple more things to say inevitably um let's not start with darren because i think he was the most positive let's start with carl 
recommend or not recommend and your your overall feelings i definitely recommend it it's certainly a game that has its own flavour. I'm glad that I personally waited as long as I did to play it. Mm. I was a bit burnt out on shooters and maybe with the more serious shooters that have come out at the end of last year, playing this now, it felt quite refreshing and a, a decent change. I wouldn't want all games to be like this. I think that would be going back to the dark ages. I mean, it's definitely an old school style game with sort of a, its own unique, fresh flavour on things. Uh, given that you can get it for basically pennies in gaming terms now and you never know what you're going to get because we've described that the story isn't good we didn't even get back to the story i mean that's how much the story like every cane of inch ever we talk about the end of the story uh this one we didn't <laughs> no so it's worth picking it up just or at least trying it should i say because if the mechanics click with you then you're going to enjoy the game tony for a game I actually avoided <laughs> due to its ad campaign, <laughs> um, I, I, I'm I, glad I actually did play it. Um, it has aspects which frustrate me. I think they could have done they could have done a better job of the story. That's that's evident. Um, I think that the game runs out of steam in about five hours, um, but you have to play it for another three hours to, to see the back end of it. Um, I think there's a lot more ideas that they need to implement, which, you know, if there ever was a sequel, would do so. What would worry me, though, is I think they would actually up the ante with the -the over-the-top humour. And I think, actually, of all the things, they probably just about get the humour right linked in with the gameplay. Um, And I imagine with a sequel they would go so batshit crazy it would be exactly the thing that would turn me off. Um, Would I recommend it? Yeah, it's cheap. Do you know what? I've played a lot worse games, uh, for sure. Um... And it had, I think, some of its its set pieces are actually really good fun and and you know need to be seen to be believed, but at the same time, it just it starts to drag. It doesn't have the element that wants me to come back. I actually found that I was playing it in like small chunks, you know, every you know every other day. It wasn't something I felt like I needed to come back to play straight away. Like now, I'm gonna finish this chapter. I'm I'm gonna come back. So it took me you know three or four days to actually sit down and and work my way through it. Um, so, yes, it's okay. But um, I wouldn't particularly rave any more than that. Yeah, actually, before we do mine and Darren's uh, summarization, let's uh, let's just talk about what happened um, as regards to a potential sequel. So, they were, they pretty much, uh, EA came out and said that the game didn't, wasn't profitable. I think in the end it sold between one and two million copies. Does that sound about right? Has anyone got any advance on that? No, that's a bit I funny. think a lot of them were sold at uh, not the original price, and I think probably, I mean, maybe it's gone well over two million with the recent sales, but uh, I, I don't know. I don't know how 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 it's ended up. It certainly looks like a game that had a lot of money. Prior. Yeah, and a lot of people seem to have played it. That's the weird thing. It's like I mean, it's... my leaderboards were incredibly populated with yeah. all different kinds of friends. I mean, yeah. even the ones that I wouldn't associate with playing a game of this ilk. I'd put quite a lot of time into, mm. say, Echoes mode. Yeah. So, uh, but they pretty much. I don't. I don't know who it's come out of. Has it come out of EA, Epic, or people can fly themselves that a sequel ain't happening? They started working on a sequel and then they cancelled it, and that came right from people can fly themselves. Do you not think it's more of a case if it ain't happening at the moment? Hello, when new technology arrives, new generation, more over the top. Yeah, I'd certainly hope so. 
the thing that bothers me about the fact that there's no sequel is that the ending is nothing but set up for it a is, sequel. It is, yes. Yeah. That's the one thing we can definitely say about the ending. Um, it's pretty much... Because you, you have neither... Uh, obviously, as we say, this is always a spoiler cast. You have neither finished off the the main enemy, um, and in fact, uh, one of your colleagues, Ishii, has now pretty much is pretty much on the enemy side. So... Sorry, thinking about it, I know the game. At what point I stopped enjoying the game, which was when they introduced the general as a real person. Hmm. There, the mo- the moment you pick him up in your crew, and you know he's offensive, and it, it, you know that's his character. Fair enough. But I felt like oh, he's racist as well, isn't he? Which is yeah. yeah, he becomes an escort mission, and oh. I think the gameplay because of that <laughs> took a real big dive. In fact, that's my one of my bugs in the game as well. When you're trying to escape off planet. Can can he actually get killed? Because I thought he was just there as another party member. No, but it, I think it affects the gameplay around you. It feels like you know they they, they can't do quite so much with just you in your environment. It, it it seems to affect it anyway. But I had this thing where I jumped into a space in one of the, the ships where you need to get away, and um, I had the game crash. And then the second time I fell through the spaceship and through the environment. <laughs> On the third time I managed to get through it, which is really weird because up to them I think the game was quite solid. Yeah, I I suppose if there was. I suppose I, I could be open to the idea of a sequel, even though I really didn't like this game, because if it was that the next generation of technology facilitated more interesting physics and more complex in AI and environments and more more varied enemies and all the stuff that I really wanted, a really deep uh, shooter with with these sort of environmental kills and stuff, the, the, th- the game that I hoped I was getting with Bulletstorm, but it fell very, very short of... Um, and plus, you know, perhaps if they if they manage that and also dial back on the bullshit surroundings, um, kind of, it was like a cake kind of iced with earwax. Like, there's somewhere in there, there is a jam and cream layer, but you've got to bite through earwax to fucking get there. Um, and even if you pick all the earwax off, you still know it's been covered in earwax and you don't really want to eat it. Um, yeah, I found, the, as I say, the the characters and the scripting... Um, and the aesthetic also desperately unpleasant that even the court sort of hour and a half of fun I had um, was not nearly enough to make up for it. So much so that when I saw this in-game uh, recently pre-administration for pound ninety-eight, I couldn't bring myself to buy it at that price um, because I remembered playing it. And uh, and perhaps I should have done thinking if I thought about that we might do a podcast on it and that I should have probably tried Echoes mode. Um, but yeah, talking purely about the campaign, uh, I couldn't recommend it at all. So Darren. Coming from so many poofiest, completely serious shooters that were absolutely saturating the market at the time, this game was actually a real breath of fresh air for me. It was taking chances on what it was doing, simply by presenting battlefields as playgrounds where you could, you know, really go to town and get creative on how you killed your enemies, how you'd get rewarded for killing your enemies. It just had something unique and fresh to it, and that really appealed to me. And on top of that, the Echo's Moon in particular, it's got a fantastic leaderboard system. The only potential problem with that is that you've maybe got to think slightly too analytically, um, basically, like you've got to think about how you can really rack up all these skill shots to get the most points out of it, rather than just yeah. So there almost becomes a right and a wrong way to play a level to maximise your score. Yeah, yeah. It, it's rather than like being in the moment, you've kind of got to think it just a little mm. bit too much beforehand. 
but there's so much that this game did right for me. Sim simply, not just in the gameplay aspects, you know? Even, I know that some of you guys didn't like the tone of it, but it, even if you don't like it, it's different and it will appeal to a different audience. And I'm basically in that audience. I found a lot of the dialogue quite amusing. And just the overall experience that I had with it was very positive. There are some things that I felt they could have done better, like the pacing, for example, and just the way that they could have allowed you to really get the most out of these little arena playgrounds. But for all that, I would definitely recommend it. You might not like it, Leon hated it, but at the same time, it is very cheap, and if, you, if it does click with you, it really will click with you, most likely. It's essentially... For me, it was a lot like what Vanquish did for third-person shooters. This did for FPS games. Fair play and well said. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Perfectly said. Let's do some three-word reviews. In alphabetical order, I like to challenge the team. Okay. From Moose Grinder, Leon is wrong. <laughs> of <What> course. <laughs> We're all wrong. <laughs> Mormon Rage said, ironically boring, dictate. Mark Atansky, fun but repetitive. Hellworld Cop, crazy weapon skills. Dastardly Jabby, better than you. <laughs> Damning with faint praise there. Tim Wilsey, stupid good fun. Xantiriad, FPS rethink, almost. Ryan Ashley, original first person fun. Mr. Ting, a really original shooter. Surface Lizard, Priapism, Gun Fantasy. Also another thing not to uh, Google image search. Definitely. <laughs> uh, Plex Shaw, bloody good laugh. And I had to get this last one. The, the thing that made me not buy this game. Fair enough. Mr. McFluffin, fuck you, Dictits. And remember, Dictits is one word. So Dictits is definitely one word. <laughs> uh, the roundup of Stuff. If you like to play along with Kane and Rint's uh, future featured games, will include Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, Vessel and Dear Esther, uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, Solid Snake, and a month after that, Metal Gear Solid 4, Guns of the Patriots. We have more shows to be announced soon. Tony and I very, very soon will get our heads together and come up with a schedule. Uh, also, uh, the Kane and Rint's periodical... Uh, is on hold currently because the man who puts it all together, that is Jay Taylor, is currently working, doing some extremely time-consuming work, subtitling a Japanese movie into English. So that's why that's not happened yet. But there will be a second issue at some point once he's done that thing. Not going to do it itself. <laughs> your support for the show via iTunes subscriptions, ratings and reviews are always greatly appreciated. Our blog can of course be found at canandrince.com. We are part of the Character Select Network. Come in and join the discussion and add your comments and so on for forthcoming podcasts at characterselect.net slash forum. Otherwise, you can find us on Twitter at Kane and Rince. You can like us on Facebook through the normal method of liking us on Facebook and email us at caneandrince at gmail.com. It is true that email is becoming increasingly like something of the Writing history. letters, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It is mad, it is mad. So it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank the panel, Tony Atkins, Carl Moon and Darren Foreman. And we'll be back next week with Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty. Exciting. Until then, some bombastic music. 